Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Uh, how long do you folks usually go here on Sunday? Oh, you don't preach very long. Well, let's see now. Brother J.T. Pugh told me one time he preached five hours without stopping. You remember him? J.T. Pugh was my friend. He said he preached five hours without stopping. And I asked him what he preached. He never would tell me. He just, he just said I had an awful lot on my heart. And uh, that's all he'd tell me. But he really did. That was a true story. He preached five hours. And one man left. He started at 10. One man left it. At uh, 1230, uh, two men, one, two men were there for the first time. They left at 1230, went to eat, came back by about 1.30, and one of them said, I'm game if you are. Let's go back in and get the rest of this message. <laughs> they went back in and stayed till 3 o'clock. So uh, that was Brother J.T. Pugh. He was a great friend. But, no, I'll be, I'll be brief. And besides that, it's 10 minutes till 2 right now. Um, I'm on Eastern time, yeah. So it's 10 minutes till 2. And... Uh, I never preach on Sunday past 2.30, so I'll be through before 2.30, my, my time, before 12.30, your time, for sure. Let's read uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse number 33. Jesus said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Well, that's a great thing for the Lord to tell us to do and knowing that when we do it, we're going to be blessed. When you put God first in your life, it's amazing how God will work. It's amazing what God will do. It's amazing the blessings that will come in your life. It's amazing how he'll pour out his love and spirit upon you. Just amazing. So I want to talk from that verse, seek first the kingdom of God. My subject today would be the serious pursuit of the insignificant. The serious pursuit of the insignificant. Please be seated. God bless you. The word um, significant are things that are important. And of course, things that are insignificant are things that are not really, truly important. There are some things that are important in life and then there's other things that are more important and there's some things that are of utmost importance. And so we face decisions all the time in our lives of things that are important, things that are more important. But a lot of people in our generation are not following Matthew 6.33. They are not seeking first the kingdom of God. And in their not seeking God first... They are giving first-class loyalty to third-class causes. And so they're not giving God their best. I believe that God admonishes us and teaches us in his word that if we'll give him our best, amen, God deserves our best. After all, he's given his best to us. God's the one that gives us our life. I I have no authority to tell God you can't do this in my life and you can't do that and, and so on because God deserves first place in my life. Amen. The very life that I have is given of God. The breath that I breathe is given of God. The blessings I enjoy is from the hand of the Lord. 
And all of us here today are recipient of God's power and God's grace and God's love and God's blessings. And I've been learning that if you'll do God's will and you'll do it God's way and you'll do it in God's time, then you'll have God's favor and you'll have God's blessings upon you. So that scripture kindly sets the stage for what I want to talk about this morning. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you. When I got to thinking a few months ago about this message, I, uh, I guess what got me to thinking about it, I read in the newspaper where there was a convention that was held in San Diego, California. And uh, what got my attention was in this convention in San Diego this past fall, it was entitled Save the Rabbit Convention. The entire convention was, and the title was Save the Rabbit. Now, I love rabbits. I think they're cute, and I like them. And I like dogs, and um, Marley's dog kind of likes me a little bit, I think. We've become pretty good friends the last two or three days. And when he wants me to um, throw his toy and run and get it, he'll bring it to me and hand it. And, of course, I throw it, and he brings it back. Well, after about 100 times, we <laughs> and he never gets tired. He never gets tired. But um, I love animals. I, I really do. I was raised on a farm. I love animals and um, have a great respect for all the people that love various animals that they like. Uh, but these people that I read about were coming from many states all across America. And they had taken money for their flight, for their motel, and for their meals. And the entire thing, they had seminars being taught. And they had many things going on. But everything was around the idea of saving the rabbit. That was in San Diego, and that was this past fall. And I, 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 li I like rabbits, but uh, I couldn't see an entire convention and hundreds of thousands of dollars being spent just to save the rabbit. If you give the rabbits a chance, they'll save themselves. <laughs> you don't have to save them. But uh, uh, then I, when, I was, when I was thinking of that, I do a lot of reading, and I was reading one night, at my house, and I was reading a book by E.C. E. McKenzie. And in that book, I just picked it up, Brother Mitchell, and kind of go along with the Save the Rabbit Convention. The title of the book was, was this, Insignificant Facts. That was the title of his book by E.C. McKenzie. Insignificant Facts. Things that are really true, but not significant. So he felt the importance of writing a book about that, and he included hundreds of things, and I just wanted to mention a few of them. Um, number one, and if you're not from the South, you may not know of anybody that would chew tobacco, but that's a big thing in the South and has been for years. And so he put in his book, The World's <clears throat> Tobacco Spitting Record, by one man, was 24 feet, 10 and a half inches. A man spit tobacco 24 feet, 10 and a half inches. That was in his book. The second thing I read was that when Henry Ford made an automobile, in his first automobile, he forgot to put reverse in it. 
That's an insignificant fact. Henry Ford forgot and didn't realize the importance of putting reverse in his first automobile. And um, then I read another one. It said Voltaire, the, the uh, famous Frenchman that was so popular many, many years ago, he drank 70 cups of coffee every day. Every day. Insignificant facts. 70. <laughs> we got any coffee drinkers in the house? <laughs> Seven, Voltaire. You've never drank coffee like Voltaire did. 70 cups a day. And then I read where a man that weighs 150 pounds would weigh about 50 pounds if all the water in his system were to dry up. That's an insignificant fact. Another one was, if you give people in a store, place of business, or anywhere, a ballpoint pen, 97% of them, the first thing they do is try it out by writing their own name. 97% write their own name. And uh, then, insignificant fact, Marley, this is for you. A dog at 12 years old is as old as a man at 84. So how much longer has McCoy got to go? <laughs> he don't have long for this world. We better get his funeral prepared. <laughs> That's an insignificant fact. They said uh, another fact was that Saturday is the most dangerous day of the week to drive a car. If you've got a teenager, every day is dangerous. <laughs> Teenagers, no offense, man. No offense. Another one was that the Statue of Liberty weighs 225 tons. And another insignificant fact was that Andrew Jackson was the only president of the United States that ever married the same woman twice. That was just the insignificant facts. And then I'll, I'll stop here in a moment, but the average family of four eats more than two and one half tons of food every year. Y'all qualify? <laughs> Anybody qualify? <laughs> the average family of four eats two and a half tons of food every year. And um, another fact was when the United States bought Alaska, they bought it for an average of two cents per acre. Two pennies per acre is what Alaska cost them years ago. And the first, another fact was that Mother-in-Law Day was first celebrated in March the 5th, 1934 in Texas. Mother-in-Law Day. Some of you may wish they'd have never celebrated it. <laughs> I heard about some people that were shouting and praising God around the front of the church, and they were singing the song, Makes Me Love Everybody, the old song. He looked over and saw his mother-in-law, and he said, Lord, almost everybody. <laughs> but yeah, we won't delve into that. No, no, won't delve into that. There are, another fact is, there are 47 different kinds of headaches. Another fact is, that the greatest number of operations performed on one person was 410. One person had 410 surgeries. Sister Mitchell, how many you got to go? <laughs> you got, 
You've had six. You got four hundred and four to go. No, uh, set a world record if you're going to set a world record. President Andrew Johnson never went to school a day in his life. And some of the boys and girls here say, "Whoop to do! I'm going to be president. I don't like school." <laughs> he never went to school a day in his life. And another fact was that the capacity of the human stomach is is about two quarts. And so, um, uh, uh, the capacity of the human stomach, but I've eaten more than that this week. So <laughs> I must have an extra, extra place in my stomach. But those are some of the insignificant facts that I read in E.C. McKenzie's book. Then I got thinking about the scripture and I went to this scripture, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you. You know, Jesus was the master teacher. There was no one like Jesus. No one that ever walked on the face of this earth was like our Lord Jesus Christ. He stands supreme and alone and above everybody that has ever lived on the face of this earth. And when we worship the Lord Jesus and when we serve him, this is not an effort in futility. We are not wasting time. We are not killing time. You might have never gone to a church before this one where they clapped their hands. But I read a scripture in the Bible that said, clap your hands, all you people, and make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Folks in Denver will clap their hands for the Broncos. Why don't we clap our hands for Jesus? Hallelujah. He is my Savior, my Lord, my my Redeemer, my God, my Master. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. Jesus taught a lot of important things about life and about eternal life. And only the Lord can give you eternal life. He taught us things that are important about this life. Jesus taught us that a man's life does not consist of the abundance of the things that he possesses. In other words, life is more than just get all you can and can all you get. Life is more than just the material substance. And I don't think God is upset at us for being industrious and for working hard and for achieving and accumulating some things in life. God's not opposed to that. So I think we ought to work hard and get all we can and provide the best we can for our families let me tell you something that's more important than just the natural substance of this life, and that is eternal life. All of us that are here today, we're here today and as it were gone tomorrow. That body that we came here in is not forever. It's not eternal. This is flesh and blood, and flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. So we ought to pursue the things that are important to us, our job, our career, our education, our family. That's all fine. But I think that at the top of the list, we ought to put God first. At the top of the list. You will never go wrong if you'll put God first in your life. In everything you do, you will never, you will never regret on your dying day that you put God first in your life. Let's clap our hands to him this morning. 
You could say a lot about life and death, but God is the giver of life. God is the author of life. God is the one that gave us our life, and I'm thankful for it. But Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. He said, you will either love one and hate the other, or you'll cling to one and despise the other. He said, you cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and this world at the same time. So he taught us to serve God and to put God first in our life. Oh, the blessing of putting God first. I have never regretted the times that I put God first in my life. I have never felt bad about the times that I put God first in my life. God's always taken care of me. Amen. One writer said, I once was young, but now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. You know what? God will take care of you. God will supply every need. My God shall supply every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If we'll learn the art of putting God first and practice the art of putting God first, I promise you he will never fail you. He'll never let you down. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. But he'll be with you all the way, even to the end of the world. Life is important as we serve God. Somebody say, praise the Lord. You know, you've got some examples in the Bible of some people that put other things first. And at the end of their life, they were never happy. I'd like to end this life's journey knowing that I've served God, that I have fulfilled the purpose of my being here. I believe that every one of us in this house, young to the oldest, I believe that all of us have a purpose a God-given purpose to be here. I want to meet that. I want to fulfill that. So when I leave here, I can hear him say, well done. You've been a good and faithful servant. Amen. I thought of Solomon when I was studying for this message. Solomon was a man noted for his God-given wisdom. If you look back in the Old Testament when you're reading Proverbs, and the songs of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, all of these were written by Solomon. He was a man at one time of his life, God said, I'll give you riches or I'll give you wisdom. You, you make the call. And so Solomon said, I'd like to have wisdom to know how to come in and go out before this thy great people. And it pleased God. The thing that Solomon requested pleased the Lord. And God said, in effect, I'm happy with your choice. I'm happy with your decision. Now then, because you've had your heart right and your spirit right and your attitude right and your priorities right, then I'm going to give you not only what you ask for, wisdom, but I'm going to give you wealth and honor. I'm going to give you riches in this life. Amen. And I, I, I follow the life of Solomon. And like so many people, he had his good days and his bad days. He had his good times and his bad times. He had times that he served God and gave God first place. Unfortunately, he had times in his life when he didn't put God first in everything. Amen. I'm glad that God is full of mercy. I'm glad that God is, God is full of kindness. I'm glad he's full of grace. And if I preach to somebody this morning that says, you know, there's been times I haven't been everything I could have been, I should have been, I'm here to tell you that God's got a place in his kingdom for you. 
Just because you fail don't mean that God's cut you out or cut you off. God's got a place in his kingdom for you. A place of servitude. A place of happiness. A place of peace and joy. We Christians are not just going through the motions of a lot of meandering and meaningless meandering. We've got a purpose. We've got something deep in our heart. God has put something deep in our heart. When you receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, when you receive that Spirit in your life, you got something that the world did not give you. And the world cannot extract it from you. The world can't take it away from you. Amen. I'm here today as an advocate that if you serve God, he'll make you happy. He'll give you peace that passes all understanding. He'll put joy in your heart. He'll put blessings in your life. Amen. Somebody ought to praise this wonderful and worthy God. And you know, there was a time in Solomon's life where he sort of got sidetracked. I won't ask for a show of hands, but all of us at some time, either in a minor way or a major way, we've got a little sidetracked. But God's there to gently reach out to us and bring us back into focus that we would keep the main thing the main thing. Amen. The main thing in our life is not how much I can get, but it's if I'm ready to meet God. If I'm ready, if you're ready to meet God, you have fulfilled life's greatest requirement and God's highest achievement for your life. I said, if you put God first in your life, you have achieved the, 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 the greatest achievement that God designed for you when he made you and put you on this earth. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And so Solomon, Solomon begins to recount it in the book of Ecclesiastes. He starts telling them, you know, I got servants. I had people to do anything I wanted. I'd say, go, and they came. I'd say, do this, and they did it. He said, I got men servants. I got maid servants. I got women servants. I've got, I got great houses. I built goodly houses. Um, I had gardens. I had um, everything I wanted. I had great possession. I had cattle. I had all kind of animals. I, in other words, he just starts naming he names about 28 or 29 things in Ecclesiastes that he got. And he said, these are things that I got. But he lets us know at the end of that, there is no real happiness in the things you get in this life. It'll make you happy for a moment. It'll make you happy temporarily. But only God can put real peace and joy in your life. This is not a fairy tale. I'm not just here to make a talk this morning. If you put God first in your life, you will have found the secret of real peace and joy and of real happiness and success. Amen. So when Solomon got to the end of that life, I got everything. Man, I, I just had everything I wanted. I, I didn't lack for anything, and yet at the end, you know what he had to say about a life that didn't have God's first priorities in it? He said, all is vanity. All is vexation of spirit. None of it really amounted to much. And if you were to get the composite total today of everything you achieve or acquire in this life, then when you die, you can't take it with you. I want to reemphasize, it's good that a man would, would provide the best he can, 
but in all of your provision, put God first. Put God first in your life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added. Our world this morning is in a serious pursuit of things that really don't matter, and they don't last long. People are happy today, they're unhappy tomorrow. They're happy if this happens, they're unhappy if it don't happen. And so that, that's sort of, that's sort of the, the way this life is. And I was reading about a man in Luke chapter 12, and I won't take the time to read it all, but in verses 16 through 20, the Bible tells us and Jesus tells us about a man that had ground that brought forth plentifully. His ground was good ground. He, he had everything he wanted. And finally, he had so much. Here's what he said. I will pull down my barns and I'll build greater. And I'll say to my soul, soul thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thy knees, eat, drink, and be merry. That's what he said to himself. I'm talking about the serious pursuit of the insignificant. If a man gained the whole world, the master said, and lose his soul, what is the profit? What would a man give in exchange for his soul? How much is a life worth without God? And so this man had everything, but God spoke to him and said, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required. And then who's going to get all of these things that you provided? It's going to be left behind. You can't take it with you. You can't enjoy it throughout eternity. And so this man was in a serious pursuit of the insignificant, but he never learned what was really valuable and what was really important life. Jesus also talked in his parables and parabolic teaching, illustrations, examples he used. He talked about a man that had a great feast and he invited many. That's sort of what Jesus is doing today. He's getting people ready for his coming. Amen. Amen. Folks, there is a better place than this. Denver's a beautiful city, but there's a better place than this. Denver's a beautiful city, but there is a city whose builder and maker is God. That's a whole lot better than Denver. Amen. Don't put all of your eggs in this basket. Plan for eternity. Plan for your future life. Make things right with God. Make sure you make peace with God. That's the main thing in life. That's the main thing. But Jesus talked about this man. He bought a piece of ground. He was invited, but he had an excuse. I bought a piece of ground, and I've got to go look at it. Now, that was an excuse. Many people have excuses as to why they do not live for God or serve God. And they say this and that. If this was right, if this was right, if this person was right or whatever. You know what I've been learning in life? That you've got to just go ahead and put God first. Amen. Amen. I've been pastoring the church now long enough to know. Ever since, uh, I don't know, I've been pastoring church for a long time. Ever since 1962. I've been pastoring the church and I've pastored enough people to know that uh, you, can, you can say, well, I'll serve God when this is right and when that's right and when this is ready. And, and, and young people say, when I get married and get my career, then I'll serve God. And, and, and married couples can say, I've got a lot to get in this life, so when I'm older, I'll serve God. And when you get older, sometimes you don't have the health, the strength, the mind to serve the Lord. So I, I think that the Bible said, serve God today. Just serve God today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till March. 
Don't wait till 2019. Just give your life to God today. Serve God today. Open your heart to God today. And after all, James, the writer, asked a question. What is your life? What is your life? What's it all about? What is your life? And then he answers, it is even as a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then it vanishes away. We see the smoke that rises from a building, from a furnace, from a chimney or whatever it is and it goes away in the wind and after a while the wind catches it and it's gone and you're still looking and you can't see it. And James said, that's the way your life is. It's like a vapor that comes and then it's gone. One writer said, your life is like a post. And I used to wonder about that. But then I I began to discover that the word post was talking about a postman. Its teaching was that a postman comes to your house, you look out the window, and he sees him, or you see him, and he drops the mail in the box, and you look at a moment, he's gone. He said, that's the way your life is. It's like a post or a postman. It's, It's here, and then it's gone. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Amen. If you've got a nice home, thank God for it. And we ought to. If you've got a nice car, we ought to thank God. If you've got a good job or career, we ought to thank God. But I'm telling you, the gospel is for the man that has nothing as well. Didn't didn't Jesus say the poor have the gospel preached? And Paul the apostle said, not many wise and noble are called because many people will not humble themselves and seek the face of God. That's why on Sunday at this hour in Denver, there's a lot more people that are not in church than there are in church. Because people have got their mind, their focus, and their attention on many other things. And a lot of those things are insignificant. They don't really matter. They're here today and they're gone after a while. Thank God for the purpose that we have of putting God first in our life. Amen. You imagine a man that'll buy some land and won't go see it. Jesus said, this man said, I bought some ground. I've got to go see it. I wouldn't buy ground without going and looking at it. I'm not an entrepreneur of high esteem, but I wouldn't buy a piece of ground without going and looking at it. Then another man says that I bought five yoke of oxen, and I've got to go look at them. I, I was raised on a farm, but I wouldn't buy five yoke of oxen without looking at them. They may be uh, old, crepit. They may be blind. They may be about ready to kick the bucket. I don't know. If I'm going to buy something, I want to look at it first. And, but this was the litany of excuses. I bought a piece of ground. I got to go look at it. I, I, I bought five yoke of oxen. I got to go approve it. And one man just simply didn't give an excuse. He said, I married a wife and I'm not coming. That's what he said. I've married a wife, therefore I cannot come. He figured that when he said he married a wife, he didn't need to explain it. He didn't need anything else. That was it. He married a wife. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you what, we can allow things to come into our lives that can cheat us and rob us out of the blessings and the favor of God that God wants to put on every one of us. I'm going to tell you, there's not a person in this building that don't need the hand of God upon you. We need the hand of God upon us. We can live and die and they'll bury us and put us six feet under the ground and our names will be forgotten. But I'm telling you, friend, if you make things right with God, your life is not going to end at that funeral service or that cemetery. Amen. Another man Jesus talked about uh, was, was in Luke chapter 16 and verse 19. He talked about a rich man. And he talked about a, a man named Lazarus. 
And the rich man, the Bible said, died. And in hell, he lift up his eyes being in torments. Lazarus died, was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And when the rich man died, he said, Father Abraham, send Lazarus back here that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormenting these flames. I'm telling you, friend, there is life after death. There is a heaven and there is a hell. We don't like to think about the place called hell, but there is a place. There is a place called heaven and hell. And you've got a choice. Aren't you glad God don't just treat you like some manipulative piece of robotics or something? I'm glad you got a choice. He said, choose you this day whom you'll serve. I'm going to tell you, gentlemen, you can't decide for your wife. Wife, you can't decide for your husband. Parents, you can't decide for your children. Every one of us as individuals have a particular consciousness, and we've got a choice to make. Blessed is the person that makes God their choice. Thank God when we make God our choice. That's the, that's the greatest decision you ever made in your life. That's the greatest choice you've ever made. And so um, Abraham said, I can't, I can't help you now. When you was in this world, you had opportunity, you had chance. But you're, you're gone now, and we can't help you. Let me tell you, when your eyes close in death, and you know what? It could happen to some of us sooner than later. I was in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, which is eight miles from Durham where I pastor. And uh, I was in a the hospital there last week. And, uh, in fact, it was earlier part of this week. There's a 17-year-old boy, 17, picture of hell, picture of hell. You'd never thought, and I've never known him to be sick, but he got a knot in his body. He went and checked it out. The bottom line is they said he has cancer. The bottom line is they say he can't live. We're believing that God will heal him. And our God is a healer. And if you've never experienced God's healing, it can happen. By faith, it can happen. By faith, it can happen. That young man is 17 years old. And he don't have a bright future as far as this life's concerned. We never know, young man, young lady, young married couples. You don't know. You can make your plans and great dreams and great aspirations for the future. But you never know what tomorrow is going to bring. No man knows what another day will bring forth. And so the rich man was in a serious pursuit of things that were not important. Acts 24 and 24 and 25 tells us about a man by the name of Felix when he was confronted with the gospel. When Paul preached the gospel to him, Brother Mitchell, when Paul presented him a message that could save his soul. Hey, friend, that's the most important thing in the world. That's the most important thing in the world is the salvation of your soul. The body's going to die and go back to dust, but the spirit will return to God that gave it. We're going to live forever somewhere, and you have the right and the power of decision in your own life. So Paul preached to Felix. You know what Felix said? He said, you know, I kind of like the sound of that. I think you're probably telling the truth. Sounds pretty good. And I, I do need God. But he said, you know what, sir? When I have a convenient season. This is what he said. When I have a convenient season, I'll call. I'll talk to you further. No account in the word where he ever pursued the matter. He said, when I have a convenient season, when we are, when we've got everything the way we want it, 
then we may not, may not can pray at that moment and find God. Felix said, when I have a convenience, he's not called. He never called. Festus and Agrippa heard the ministry of Paul in Acts 26. And Agrippa says with those profound words, almost, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. I'm almost, sir. I'm right there. I'm real close. Almost. I, I feel conviction. I know it's God. You're a man of God. What you're saying is right. I do have a never dying soul. And I'll either go to heaven or hell. And I've got the choice. And, and Paul almost. And Paul said, I would to God that you were not just almost, but all together. Because almost is not enough. Almost is not enough. So many people in Denver, North Carolina, wherever we go, are in the serious pursuit of the insignificant. They're seeking after things that's going to be gone after a while. But if you'll put God first in your life, you'll never be sorry. I came to God as a teenager. I gave my heart to God as I was, when I was a teenager. And I've never been sorry. Teenagers here today could say, well, you're older. You don't understand me. But there was a time I was a teenager. And I gave my life to God. And I was happy. Young married couples could say, preacher, uh, you're, you're older than me, so you can't relate to me. But there was a time when I was a young married man. My wife, a young married lady. But I found out the best life you can live to live for God. Oh, if I lived in this Denver area, this is where I'd be on one of these chairs every Sunday. Every Sunday I'd be here because I don't want to be in a, in a big pursuit of things that's not going to help me in the end. Only one life will soon be passed. And only what's done for Christ will last. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Let's all pray as the musicians come. In the name of Jesus, oh Lord, open our spiritual eyes, open our eyes that we may see, that we may understand, that we may be able to comprehend, that we may be able to know those things which are most important in our life. Help us to put you first in our life, in everything we do and everywhere we go, throughout our life and our activities. Help us to put you first, Lord. We know we'll never regret that or be sorry. Help us to put you first. And I pray for the Holy Spirit of God to move in the life of every man, woman, and young person that's here today in this building to open their hearts to you and say, God, today, today, I'm going to give my all to you. I'm preaching to somebody that maybe to this point you've never surrendered to God. Today is a great day. You've never repented and asked God to forgive your sins. Today is a great day. If you'll ask God to forgive your sins, he will. If you've never been baptized, in water by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. Today's a great day. That's not just getting wet. It's not just something some church or preacher thought of. Your sins are washed away when you're baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. If you've never been filled with the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost, God will fill you today and you'll find joy unspeakable and full of glory. I ask you to please stand with me if you will.